Thank you for listening to the I Am Podcast. The following is a person discussing the memories and feelings that make up their experience. It is solely from their point of view. I hope you enjoy the episode. years old and born in 1994 in Lansing, Michigan, USA. I grew up in Mason, Michigan though. How far away from Lansing is Mason? Um, like 20-25 minutes. Okay. Did you spend much time in Lansing or was it all um, Mason? I would say like yeah a decent amount. It's just a quick drive into Lansing. We did a lot of like shopping there. There's museums. A lot of like the fun family activities on the weekend took place in Lansing. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. What was Mason like? Is it like a small farm town? Is it? Yeah, we were definitely pegged as a small farm town. Um, one of our rivals, Okamis, they always would like make fun of us for being hicks. But realistically, like we did have a lot of farming land, but not many kids at the high school were actually farmers. Which sure. you know, there was like a few farming families, and that was pretty much it. So okay. it was kind of like a wrong stereotype of our little town, but. A stereotype nonetheless. Uh, what is your family composition like? I'm an only child. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's just my mom, my dad, and me. <laughs> okay. And are your mom and dad still together? Have they ever gotten divorced? Anything like that? Nope, they are. They've been happily married since 1988. So. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So far, people on the podcast have had a lot of people whose parents have been divorced. So yeah. it's interesting to hear from somebody that hasn't. <laughs> yeah, I always laughed growing up because I was a single child and have, a, you know, married parents. And I also joked, I don't like peanut butter. So I was okay. like, between those three things, I'm like, how many people out there are like me? <laughs> right. So what, um, what kind of memories do you have as an only child growing up in a suburb slash farm community? Sure. Um, I played a lot by myself. Okay. Um, I mean, my parents played with me too, but I did a lot of just hanging out in the backyard. We had a pretty big backyard for being in town, like a little creek ran through it. So it was very naturey for a city lot, but I spent a lot of time by myself. I remember I had imaginary friends, but I don't remember one of them. My mom talks about them though, but I do remember Prince Philip. And my mom was always very good to me about that. Like, she would even drive around the block to, like, go pick up Prince Philip for a play date. So, yeah. she was very kind. It was, a, it was a good childhood, but it was, I was lonely. I wanted a little brother a lot. Do you remember why Prince Philip? Um, that's the name of the prince from Sleeping Beauty. I think that that's okay. why. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the little brother desire? Like, um, well... <laughs> did you have friends that had, you know, siblings or something and um, you just really wanted that or was it just... I don't know why I wanted a little brother so much. Probably because I was never, like, super girly-girly, so I wanted, like, probably more of a ma- masculine counterpart. And then a little brother, probably just a little, because I was the, I would be the oldest child and parents aren't going to get someone older than me. But, right. But it always, like, showed up. Like, I made snowmen, and I'd be like, oh, he's my baby brother. And I would draw <laughs> pictures. I'd be like, it's my baby brother. And my parents were like, oh, honey. <laughs> All right. So what uh, what was your favorite thing growing up down there? 
to do or just what was your what's your favorite memory of um I mean I think it was like in the moment probably different but my favorite memory to look back was realistically probably like my I had a a lot of family out in Dansville which was a very big farming community right next to Mason and I have a lot of really awesome memories going most of my family lives out there that live in the area and I have a lot of really awesome memories like driving out to Dansville to go hang out with various family members and like just getting to spend time out in the country that's my favorite to look back on okay but I think I don't know when I was I don't know I don't really know what I liked the most when I was younger I was I liked a lot of things I think okay did you do you have a lot of aunts and uncles and that kind of thing um my mom has a brother and my dad has a sister but I have I'm very close with a lot of my great aunts and great uncles like I have one of my great aunts uh Jane She's like, she's basically like an aunt to me. When I say great aunt, people don't really get what our relationship is. So Mm -hmm. yeah, she's more like an aunt. Okay. I had my, I had a great aunt. My grandma's sister used to babysit us after school every Mm -hmm. day, like my whole life. Yeah. And so that was always really interesting. She loved dad jokes and like stupid jokes out of the newspaper and stuff. So I think that's probably where I get my love of that dumb stuff from. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that was fantastic. So yeah, I totally understand what you're talking about in that regard. Mm -hmm. Do your entire school history and everything down there? Yeah, it was, it was all in Mason. Okay. I, I liked it and then I hated it and then I liked it. And then I decided I needed to get away from it, which is why I, I came up to Marquette. Okay. Yeah. What um What was high school like? My first half of high school was a really interesting time in my life, partially because this was that awkward time, but also I had a lot of family members die in that part of my life. Oh, okay. Um, it wasn't all family members, but there was a period of 14 months that I knew seven people that passed away. Oh, jeez. So, like, okay. during that developmental into like you know teenage adulthood time of your life it was really impactful on how I how I was and who I was as a person but then my second half of high school I kind of was more of I I became more of who I am and in the moment I was like oh this is really who I am I'm comfortable who I am but then I wasn't really that way actually until college and I just didn't realize it till I did more growth which makes sense I think okay what were the like relationships of the seven people that passed? Was it relatives or? Yeah, some of them were classmates. Oh really? Um, okay. Some of them were like distant, like uncles and stuff that or aunts. Maybe it wouldn't have made a difference if I hadn't had so much other death like occurring in my life. It just mm. was very traumatic because it kept on happening. But I did have an uncle that passed away, and I had a great uncle that passed away, but the great uncle was uh, the husband to my great aunt I'm really close to. Okay. So it was, again, like closer than a great uncle sounds. Right, So yeah. the, the two uncles were pretty devastating. Okay. Yeah. What, um, what happened? Was it age-related, or were there um, something One else? uncle, it was like there was a health issue, and he okay. passed away suddenly. And then my other uncle, he got in a snowmobiling accident oh, no. up here in the UP. Yeah, okay. so both very sudden. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, that's very tragic. Any yeah. Any kind of physical accident like that. that right. Sucks. What was the process of you getting through that kind of stuff? Was it a lot of time with mom and dad, or was it, like, what did you do to to overcome that kind of thing? Well, I, I was in therapy at the time, and I really, that really did help a lot. 
Okay. But I think time also helped. And as much as I hate to say it, like, I was very desensitized to death at the, all the end of that, which I think eventually I grew from that. But my when my great uncle passed away, he, I, I like cried maybe once because he was at that tail end of, you know, like a, all those people that died. So I don't know. It was, it was really, it was really hard like transitioning because I, I started being like really obsessed with like every single time I talked to anyone on the planet, I was like, then this might be the last time I see you. You could die right now. Okay. And I, it was very unhealthy. Was that just how you were thinking, or did you actually say that to people? I didn't say that out loud. Okay. It, was all, it was all in my head. <laughs> but it was it was a lot. It was a very loud voice inside my head. Yeah. And yeah, that's rough to yeah. have that kind of weight. Yeah, and you. then specifically, my God, that's so sad. <laughs> specifically, the last time I saw my great uncle before he passed away, because it was at the end, and I was like trying to grow, and I was like, okay, Melissa. Like we always usually gave hugs. We always mm-hmm. stood up and give hugs when we left after visiting and for some reason he was doing something and like we didn't get a chance to hug the last time I saw him and I had that thought in my head I was like oh I need to go give him a hug this could be the last time I saw see him you know and then I I fought with myself I'm like Melissa that's an obnoxious thought get over it calm down you're gonna see him again you have to stop thinking like this and I didn't go and give him a hug. And then like a week later, a week or two later, he passed away. Okay. So that was pretty rough to have had that conversation with myself. Yeah, but that's very realistic conversation to have with yourself. Yeah. You know, with uh, an accident like that, there's no reason for you to think. Right. For real, that's a possibility. Right. You know, so yeah. I hope you're not beating yourself up about that at all. because. <laughs> That's perfectly reasonable, I think. I think at the time, I was really mad at myself. Yeah. But now, I mean, it's horrible, but it's just kind of like, man, it's funny how life turns out, you know? That's right. just such a weird weird thing to have happened, you oh, know? absolutely. Do you mind talking at all about what your therapy experience was like? Oh, I don't mind at all. Um, it was, it was good. I really, really liked the person that I had. It was my first therapy experience. I've seen other therapists since, but um, she, was, she was really awesome. It was a lot of talking. She did a lot of, like, talking about, like, practices on how to just, like, change how you're thinking. Okay. That She did a lot of that. Um, was so. it a lot of like you expressing your feelings kind of like you hear about on television or whatever and then her reacting to that or like just giving you yeah. different ways to think about stuff or what yeah it was a lot of um I definitely like expressed like what I was dealing with because on top of dealing with a bunch of death in my family I was also dealing with high school drama because who isn't and I was dealing with depression and other things so there was a lot of me just being able to talk about my feelings, which mm. I could with other people, but it's hard when they're so close to you, you know? Yeah. And But then, like, if she heard, like, a pro- problematic thing I said or something that she was like, oh, this is a way that you can combat that. Like, here's a tool, here's an exercise, or here's something that you can do to alleviate the stress of that or to alleviate those feelings. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you still use that stuff? today or is it just kind of is it automatic or is it something you think about on any kind of regular basis um less of what she taught me because like my my issues have kind of changed as I've grown (laughs) as a person so the more the tools that I use the most in my day-to-day life is uh, from my most recent therapist which 
it was a lot more like uh, anxiety reducing exercises, like basically different meditative exercises to do with your muscles and stuff to help relieve stress. Okay. Basically, I do yeah. that a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, stress is a major issue for people. Yeah. So, what's is there one particular thing that you go to a lot for that? There's a one exercise where basically she had us. You go through different parts of your body, starting from your toes, and you clench up, and you like breathe in, and you let go, and then you clench up your whole foot muscle, and then you do that, and then your leg, and then your thigh, and then your abdomen, and you just go all the way up to your head. Okay. And I, I don't know, I pretty much very regularly feel better after that, even if my anxiety isn't gone, it's at least severely like reduced. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, and just from the standpoint of you're focusing your brain on something completely different for x amount of time yeah too so regardless of the if the physical thing does anything it's right. occupying yourself in a different yeah. way i imagine right? and, and if you do it the right way and mm. it it does take a while but i, I do think there's something to like because you're supposed to like clench your muscle with like all your might mm. that gets red like anxiety is like how your body reacts to stress and then you just have all this energy so it's yeah. like dispelling that energy in a way that you don't have to go run around the block some people like to go for runs when they're stressed but that's not me yeah. <laughs> so this works well okay that's yeah. great hopefully somebody else tries something like that and yeah it's a really good exercise it. good mm-hmm. good good so what was your transition from the terrible time of all these people uh, passing away to you figuring out who you are in the second half of high school? Honestly, I think a really big portion of my transition had to do with my sophomore year of high school. One of my, like, you know, decade old best friend, we weren't, we had a falling out. So like I kind of rekindled friendship with her and I think that helped a lot. And then I also joined, uh, our, high school GSA and that's just a very accepting accepting group you know what whether it's accepting you of your sexuality or whether it's accepting you just because you're a weirdo and our, the teacher like that was her thing she always joked with people she always just like oh you're such a cute little weirdo and everyone loved it she had like that kind of relationship with like the outcast or maybe the weirdos the quirky people okay. and she like was just very accepting of people and she helped run the group and so just being around more accepting people I think mostly like okay. really helped me. What does GSA stand for? Gay Straight Alliance. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. All right that wasn't something that existed when I was in high school. Oh, sure yeah. <laughs> um, no that's really nice. Was mm-hmm. that what prompted you to get into that? Um, I had lots of friends in GSA and then also the teacher that was, you know, in charge of it. She was awesome. She's like still one of my favorite teachers to this day. So uh, I was like, was it like an after school kind of thing? Yeah, it was after school, after school club. Sure. Mm -hmm. You were, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh no, you're totally fine. (laughs) I was just going to say, I always told her she she was awesome. She reminded me so much of Robin Williams's teacher character in Dead Poets Society. I told her that one day and she just was like, this is the best day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, When you can have a a mentor type character and, or person and yeah, relate it to something else. Yeah. Did you feel like that community, did it raise awareness and raise kindness and acceptance within the school, do you feel? You know, I guess I don't do I don't really sense? know exactly, but I did recently see a study that came out that said that 
high schools. I think it was it was done by maybe Cambridge University, although fact check me, I'm not sure. Sure. <laughs> they saw that schools with GSAs had lower suicide rates, not only in people who belong to the LGBTQ plus community, but also in straight cisgendered men. Okay. So I probably but yeah. I guess I don't know for sure. I couldn't articulate how. Sure. Well, making people feel accepted, of course, has to be right. go a long way towards that. Right, which so is what I mean. Good. Like, even just, to, like, in the club, like, you know, they just accepted you who you are. Like, even just past, like, accepting your sexuality or your gender. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things did you do in the group? Like, what was, were there activities? Was there, like, talking reports yeah. like what, what was um it? we had like like the presidents of the club and stuff did a lot of like education because there was a lot of people who came to the club who maybe weren't as familiar with like terms in the lgbtq plus community or like just general like political correctness of like how to go about talking about people and things like that mm-hmm. so they did a lot of lessons about that and we had like a lot of discussions about what we thought of different things going on in the world and what we thought of just things in general relating to sexuality. But then we also had a lot of fun. Like, it was like we would do that serious stuff and then we would just, like, hang out with each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. How often did you meet? You know, I don't remember. I feel like it was once a week, but it could okay. have been every other week. I'm not really sure. Sure. But it was a regular... Yeah, it was regular. Regular thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. What were your relationships like in high school? Like friendship relationships or romantic relationships whatever both uh i don't really have any romantic relationships in high school the first my first half of uh high school i i remember liking like one person and then the second half of high school i did have a crush on a couple of people but i never really dated anyone although i wanted to i just didn't it was awkward probably i don't know but um Friendships, I I changed friendship groups a lot. I didn't have the same close-knit friends consistently at all through high school. I've, like, moved around groups. Although I was always friends with everyone that I was friends with, but I would rotate who I hung out with more. Hmm. I don't know why, but it's just what I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you have any sense being... You're 23, right? I am about to be 24. About to be 24. Do you have any sense of you and your attitudes and opinions within other people your same age because like when i was growing up i very much felt like most of the people my age were kind of similar it Mm -hmm. felt like the generation was very similar do you think that's Mm -hmm. still the case or do you think it's much more diverse huh well i think that there are parts of life that I think we're all very similar on. I think we're all very cynical, but we also still have hope. I think that that's a really big common theme among people my age. And I think in general, I think we generally care a little bit more about the environment, but that's also maybe, I think that other generations could feel that way too. But I think we're also very diverse, but I think maybe we've been diverse this whole time. Like, I think your generation probably Mm. was just as diverse, but maybe not as outspoken about it. Mm -hmm. I think we're a lot more accepting of differences now, I think. But that also could just be my generation bias if I think that way because I'm in the generation. Well, 
part of the reason why um, one thing that goes into why I'm doing the podcast is to broaden my you know diverse ideas and my sure. idea of people and yeah. you know what what people like and why they like it and what makes them who they are and all that kind of stuff so it's I don't know it's interesting to hear you know perspectives of you know somebody from your generation from your your age group and see sure. what that you know what that feels like yeah um if you feel any do you with social media and everything else do you feel connected to other people your age or is it very like just within your friend group or something no i feel very hyper connected to people probably more connected to people that aren't like consistently in my life than i think maybe what's healthy but i still (laughs) choose social media because that's what people do yeah but i could choose not to Mm-hmm. But I feel very connected to a lot of people I haven't seen in like five years, uh-huh. and it's cool. It, I you know, but also like maybe should I be spending my time elsewhere? I don't I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe there isn't a right or wrong. Maybe it's just different than what people have experienced in the past. Okay, what uh, what brought you to Northern Michigan University? Well, I wanted to be a zookeeper. Okay, and they had a zoology program, yeah. so that was my original intent. But also, uh, I like remember meeting with like a recruiter in our lunchroom. I saw the pictures of people like eating and having lunch slash homework time by the lake, and I was yeah. like, "That's what I want to do. <laughs> I don't want to go to MSU. I want to go to Northern." <laughs> yeah. Did you ever spend any time doing homework by the lake? Um, I think I tried to do homework by the lake, but it usually ended up not doing that. Yeah, it's such, it's so great in a picture, but to actually like pack up all your stuff and go there and like spread yeah. it out and get it blown around by the wind. Well, right, like... that that was the issue. Like, I would just want to shut my books and just relax under my hammock or something, you know? Right. <laughs> like Exactly. Um, what did you study? Uh, I majored in biology with an ecology emphasis, and I minored in anthropology. Okay. Is there something that you want to do related to those? <laughs> yeah, I would like to eventually go to grad school. I've kind of taken like two gap years. Okay. I'm in the process of my second gap year. But a year from now, hopefully I'll be applying to grad schools for anthropology. That's, okay. what, that's what I want to do. I would maybe like to ideally be a professor someday in anthropology, but that I know that that could change. There's a lot of, thing, a, a lot of things I'd like to do, yeah. I think. What are some other things you'd like to do? Um, I really would like to do like work with supporting women. Women, women's rights is really important to me, okay. and specifically with like women's reproductive rights and reproductive knowledge of like, you know, I just I'm very connected to Ecuador because that's where I studied abroad, and I have a professor who did all of her work in Ecuador, so I had. I, not that I know a lot, really, probably in comparison to what there is to know, but I have a deep connection to Ecuador, and they're, you know, people's knowledge about, like, condoms and things like that just, like, aren't what they should be, and I think that empowering women with education is really important, and important for equality, so I could see myself doing something with that. Okay. When did you go to Ecuador? Uh, 2015. Okay, so was it mm-hmm. like freshman or sophomore year of college? Or it was, was it the summer 
after my sophomore year, I think. Okay. So mm-hmm. you did the summer in between the semesters up here? Mm-hmm. So was it just those couple months then? Yeah. Okay. It, was, it was only six weeks. Okay. Yeah, sure. What was the experience like getting, arriving in Ecuador? Um, it was pretty crazy. My flight got there kind of late. So it was dark outside. I didn't really, okay. like, I couldn't really see, like, the Andes Mountains or anything when I got, like, put in a taxi to go to the hostel that I was staying at for the night. But it was very crazy. I was very much so under the impression that the people picking me up were going to be people part of the program. Mm. But they were really, like, friends of people that were doing the program because I arrived in the capital city of Quito. And we were going to another city where we would stay with the host family. And I was like, these people are like, oh, hi, I'm here. This is me. Welcome to Ecuador. Yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, cool. These are the people I'm going to know for the rest of my trip here. And then I never saw them again. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's, was that scary? Was it? Um, I wasn't ever really scared it? necessarily, but it was slightly maybe uncomfortable just because... Uh, language barrier, you know, I'm not fluent in Spanish, and they certainly could speak English, but, uh, you know, just not, whenever, uh, I think that whenever you're not speaking first languages, unless you grew up speaking both languages, there's always Mm going to be just like, you know, you don't know the same exact vocabulary words, and that even happens among English speakers. Yeah, of course. If an Australian and I had a conversation, <laughs> there are words that we don't know in both of our dialects. So Yeah, absolutely. So what's, what is Ecuador like? I don't have any sense of that place in the okay. context of, you know, crazy Central America, Southern America, like countries that you hear about. Sure. What's, what's Ecuador? Ecuador? Ecuador is pretty indigenous. There's a really high uh, popu- population of indigenous people in Ecuador. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I think the culture changes a lot because it's pretty small. And But they have the Andes Mountains going straight through it. And then to the right is the Amazon rainforest. So they have okay. the Amazon. And then they also have the coast. And the coast is like a different culture. Mm-hmm. And they also own the Galapagos Islands, which is okay. also totally different. So they use the U.S. dollar there, which is pretty interesting. Things are very cheap. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it um, considered like a poor country, or do they have oil, or do you? Have any um, sense yeah, of, actually, you know? they they do have oil, and not too long ago there was a really big controversy that happened with uh, Texaco and Exxon Mobil and stuff. Um, they like you know dirtied up the rainforest, hurt the mm. indigenous communities, left, claimed it wasn't their fault, yada yada. There's actually a pretty pretty uh, good documentary called Crude that you can watch about it if you're interested. Okay. It's very. I I watched it when I was in Ecuador. I watched it in one of my anthropology classes, and I also watched it in an indigenous uh, environmental movements class. Oh, so I've okay. seen it three times. <laughs> it's a good documentary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What type of anthropology do you want to do? I'm really interested in medical anthropology and with medical anthropology I could go a couple different routes. I'm really interested in ethnomedicine um, so I could do something with that but if I don't do ethnomedicine it would be really easy to do like woman's health mm. in, in medical anthropology so that's kind of what does uh, ethnomedicine mean? It's a traditional medicine indigenous medicine 
Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like the shaman kind of thing or mixing, shamanism definitely would follow stuff. follow uh, like ethnobotany, like plants as medicine, things like that. Yeah, that's definitely all in the umbrella of yeah. So what does that what does that mean? You doing it? Does that mean like you just studying, studying it, that stuff? Studying okay. it, yeah. Um, understanding how the the medicinal system works and functions. I know uh, a handful of studies and stuff they that I've read. They like analyze like how much indigenous medicine that they use compared to Western medicine. If you do more of like applied anthropology, you could figure out like, okay, they clearly like ethnomedicine more than Western medicine for this, but maybe Western medicine is better in this situation, but maybe ethnomedicine is actually better in this situation. And like figuring out, like understanding the culture of it, understanding what's important to the people and understanding why, and then applying that to figure out how, how to help them or how to make it better or perhaps help them understand how to make their own system better even if it's not me doing it or someone else outside of their culture doing it okay yeah what type of organization does someone like that work for um a lot of universities uh museums sometimes too i know the field museum hires a decent amount of anthropologists to do different cultural work and medicinal work in the anthropology realm so Uh, and there's not a ton of anthropology jobs out there it's a very very uh, hard field to be in okay but it sounds really interesting it is it's really cool it's totally my thing not only do I love it at least at an undergraduate level I did really well in it I loved Mm. bio but I had to work really hard to get the grades I did in biology but in anthropology, it always came very easy. And okay. I just was like, oh, it's because anthropology is easy. But then I started comparing my grades with classmates. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, maybe I do just like get it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just something that you really like. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, so what are the next steps for you? You mentioned you know, possibly applying to grad school. Is there something on the way to that? or? Well, I'm taking a Spanish class right now. Okay. Just um, That was a really big step I think I needed to help get myself there but uh I also am considering going to Ecuador before I apply to grad school again there is a Mm. school in Salasaca Ecuador which is a very indigenous community that my professor has worked in for like her whole time that she's studied linguistic anthropology and I'm considering going and volunteering there for a few months but I need to save up money to do that first (laughs) yeah sure okay that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, I'm excited. I think there's a lot of really awesome things ahead. I just have to figure out how to do them, and if I can, I'll find something else cool to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on and telling your story. Yeah, of course. Thanks for letting me talk. Absolutely, I appreciate it. <laughs> you can follow and interact with the podcast on Twitter, at the IM Podcast. You can also email us at theimpod at gmail.com. If you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to take just a moment to give us a rating. It really helps. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.